The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. How many of you have ever missed out on something because of fear? You had an awesome opportunity that lied ahead of you and you were excited about it, but fear kept you back. Uh, recently, uh, myself and a couple friends, we had the opportunity to hike up to the very top of Half Dome in Yosemite National Park. We got a picture of Half Dome here, kind of give us an idea. A couple of friends of mine, we had the opportunity to hike to the top. And the hike itself that leads you right to the base is actually a pretty intense hike. It's a little over eight miles. You're climbing up a lot of the ways. And uh, right when you get to the base of Half Dome, uh, up to the, bo- uh, the, the end of the eight-mile hike, you're actually about 8,400 feet in the air. And so right before you even make the summit to the top, you're right at the base of the summit. But you're still, for all practical purposes, on top of a mountain. I think we have another picture here. I was at the top, and I'm looking around, and I'm like, I am way up here. We are way up on top of the mountain. As you can see off to the side, we're not even all the way there yet. And so we're standing up, and we're realizing, man, I'm, I'm still on top of a mountain. We're looking down, going, that's a, that's a long ways to go. And then we turn around, and we look at the cables. We have another picture here. And I think, and I got to climb up that? <laughs> so we're literally standing on top of a mountain, kind of overwhelmed, by the, really by the beauty of it, but also by just how high up we are. Then we turn around and we realize, we got to go up that thing still. That's intense. And so we make our way up to the top. It took us about 20 minutes to kind of go up just this one stretch right here. I think there's another picture of us at the top of Half Dome there. There's me and my friends uh, trying to take a picture, being scared out of our minds uh, there on the top of Half Dome. But we got to the top and we enjoyed it. We enjoyed the view. It's a good time. And then by the time we're getting ready to to go back down, the thought starts coming through our mind. You know, what goes up must come down, right? And there's only one way up and one way down. And so we started making our way back down. Yeah, it's this picture. Literally, you think it's steep going up. But then as you're making your way down to the bottom, you realize there's some parts that's so steep, you can't even see the base of it. This isn't a picture that I actually took. It was really smoky the day we went. But you can't even see the bottom. And so it's, it's scary. It's, it's intimidating. But we made it. And fortunately, you know, there was no accidents. Everybody was fine. Uh, but while we were kind of at the bottom after coming back down, uh, the bottom of the summit, we're kind of sitting there catching our breath. And these two hikers come up behind us who they had just made the eight-mile hike all the way up. And they're kind of overwhelmed by this. You know, they're standing on top of the mountain. They're seeing how high up they are. They're looking up those cables thinking, we got to go up that. And you could tell these ladies, they were really, really scared. Understandably so. And so they're asking us, hey, how's it like? Is it, you know, is it scary? Is it worth it? And we're like, yeah, it's scary, but it's totally worth it. You'll get to the top and you'll be so glad you did. So we're trying to, you know, convince them they make it the rest of the way up. And you could just tell these ladies, they weren't buying it. Um, but they had made the eight mile hike up. So they started going up the cables there and uh, we're kind of watching them go up and they got about 30 or 40 feet up and they just couldn't do it. And they, they, they were too scared and they came back down and my friends, they're like, oh, you were so close. But fear kept them from reaching the top. And oftentimes fear keeps us from experiencing everything that God has for us in our lives. Fear often keeps us from experiencing the victory that God wants us to experience. Now, the fear we're talking about this morning, and the fear we're going to see in Joshua chapter 1, isn't necessarily the fear of heights. Uh, It might not be some self-induced fear, uh, like climbing to the top of a mountain. But all of us experience fear on some level. Perhaps it's fear of failure at work. It's keeping you from taking that next step to move uh, your business or your company or your job forward. Perhaps it's the fear of being a bad parent. It's leading to some perhaps compromising uh, decisions. Perhaps it's a financial fear that keeps you from giving the way we know that God wants us to give, that we see in his word. Perhaps it's that fear of 
how are my finances going to go if I commit to giving? Perhaps it's the fear of rejection that's keeping you from sharing Jesus with your family or for your coworkers. Whatever the fear is, all of us at times in our life are going to face fear. And as we're going to see in Joshua chapter 1, Joshua is taking over from Moses. Now, let, let this thing in for a little bit. He's taking over from Moses. It's not like he's just becoming the new night shift manager at Del Taco. He's taking over from Moses. This is scary. He now is the one that has to lead the nation of Israel into the promised land. And as we wrap up our series on 40 days in the Word, we're going to see how God's Word helps us to overcome our fear in following Christ, how God's Word is profitable, and it can help us overcome that fear. Stand with me, if you would, as we get ready to read Joshua chapter number 1. On your way in, you should have received a service program guide. On the inside, there's an outline that you can use to follow along as we study God's Word together this morning. Uh, Also, on the inside flap, there's a connection card. So if you're visiting with us, I'm going to encourage you to fill that out throughout the service. You'll have a chance to turn that in later. Joshua chapter number 1. The Bible says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun. That was his dad's name. Didn't mean he didn't have any parents. Moses' minister. So Joshua was kind of like Moses' right-hand guy. You could say he was Moses' man criteri there, but just serving Joshua, that was kind of his job. Verse number 2, God's now speaking. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, Go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. So a lot of what God is telling Joshua here, he's saying, as I said, as I was with Moses. He's not telling Joshua anything new. He's just reminding Joshua of truth that Joshua really already knew. You see, oftentimes, this isn't the main idea of the sermon, but oftentimes we get so hung up on, I just need a fresh word, and God's coming along and saying, you just need to pick up the one you have. And so Moses, or uh, God is here reminding Joshua, verse number four, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, unto the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your coast. All this land, Joshua, is going to be your guys's. Verse number five, there shall not any man be able to stand before thee, all the days of thy life, as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law. That word law in Hebrew is Torah. It means teaching of God. So God's telling Joshua, do everything that you've been taught by me, which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Again, Joshua was already familiar with this. Turn not to it from the right hand, nor to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou go. Uh, God's telling Joshua, don't get distracted. There's going to be distractions, but don't turn the left hand, don't turn the right hand, just stay focused. Verse number eight, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, that you may observe to do all that God has taught you. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Verse 9, have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for giving us your word. We thank you, we're thankful for how you spoke to us over these last 40 days, and I pray that you'd speak to us this morning, help us to overcome our fears so that we can fully follow you. We love you. We ask this in your name. Amen. You may be seated. The theme for our message this morning is fear overcome by the presence of God leads to courageous, faith-filled living. Fear 
overcome by the presence of God, leads to courageous, faith-filled living. Like we said, Joshua is now faced with a decision. It's now his responsibility to lead the nation of Israel into the promised land. If you study out uh, the history before this, you'll see uh, Moses didn't always have an easy time leading the nation of Israel. In fact, they're 40 years behind schedule because the people were stubborn and the people didn't want to follow. They weren't easy to lead. And now Joshua's here, and he has to lead them into battle. He has to lead them into the promised land. It's up to him to fill in for Moses' shoes. And no doubt he's having some uncertainty and doubt is creeping in, and there's fear. That's why God tells him over and over, be strong, be courageous. And as Joshua's experiencing this fear, as he's in this moment of crisis, this moment of decision, what God really comes along and reminds him of is, hey, Joshua, this isn't really all about you. Joshua, I'm the one that's going to fight. I'm the one that's going to give you victory. The pressure's not on you, Joshua. The pressure's on me, and I promise I'm going to give you victory. Look at verse number three. Every place the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you. Verse number five. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of our life, which leads us to our first thought this morning. That's the hope of God's promise. The hope of God's promise. God promised Joshua that he would be victorious. God promised him, I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to give you victory. He's telling Joshua, look, your hope is not in your ability. Your hope is not in your strategy, Joshua. You're a military leader. Your hope is not in how, how well you know warfare. He's saying, your hope is in me. Your hope is in my promises. You see, for us today, our hope is, in not, is not in what we can achieve. Our hope is not in our ability. Our hope is not just in these warm, fuzzy, happy thoughts that we have. Our hope is in the promises of God. Psalm 119, verse 49 and 50. Remember thy word unto thy servant, which thou hast caused me to hope. This is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. Psalm 119, verse 81. My soul fainteth for thy salvation, but I hope in thy word. God has given us his word. God has given us his promises. And his word and his promises can give us hope. God gives us throughout scripture the promise that he will fight our battles for us. God has promised that we would be victorious. As, Josh, as Joshua was stepping into this leadership role, he was trusting in the promises of God. Let me ask you this this morning. What fear are you facing today? What fear are you wrestling with? Is it the political landscape that we find our country in? Maybe it's the economy and it's fearful, it's uncertain. Maybe the fact that our country feels like it's a powder keg that could blow at any moment has caused you some fear. What fear are you facing today? Can I remind you that we have the promises of God? Whatever it was that you were wrestling with as you walked through these doors this morning, we have the promises of God, the promise that God will fight for us. Are we looking at our fears? Are we looking at our uncertainties through the lens of the promises of God? I love Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Does that get factored into the equation? When we're fearful and the the world around us seems like it could go at any moment and these fears are creeping into our hearts when we're wrestling through these different things, does the promises of God get brought into the equation? Does that promise in Isaiah get factored in? I mean, think about it. It says the zeal of the Lord of hosts. 
You could translate Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies. That means God in all his military strength, God in all his power, God in all his might will perform this. God is fighting for you. Does that truth cause you to hope? Does that get reminded of when you go through these different difficulties and fears? God is the one who's fighting our battles for us. And God's telling Joshua, look, there's going to be moments where you have to swing the sword, but I'm the one fighting. And Joshua, there's going to be moments where you're not even going to swing the sword, and I'm going to win the battle. I mean, look at the very first battle they faced, Jericho. God, what's the game plan? March in circles seven times. Sounds kind of crazy, but I think God was trying to reinforce to Joshua that I've got this. I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to be the one that's going to win the battles for you. Joshua, if you trust me, if you follow me, you cannot lose. And it's so easy to get overwhelmed by all the evil in our world, but can I remind you of what Revelation 20 says? And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone forever and ever. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall be there any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he said unto me, It is done. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the ending, and I will give unto them that is a thirst, a fountain of water, of life, freely. Spoiler alert, Jesus wins. Evil can enjoy the day, but its days are numbered. God wins. And God is reminding us today that you can have hope in my promises. You can have hope because I'm the one that's fighting for you. You have the promise of victory. Why? Because God is fighting for us. But are we putting our hope in those promises? We see the hope of the promises of God. But then look at verses number 5 and 6. End of verse 5. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide an inheritance the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Not only can we be assured of the promises of God, but we can also be assured of his presence. We see the assurance of his presence. God tells Joshua, I am with you. And the promise of every believer is the presence of God. His presence is always with us. Let that sink in for a moment. God is telling us, I am with you. I am with you. The Lord of hosts, the God who controls everything, the Lord of the armies, all the power, all the strength, and all the might of heaven is with us. So go ahead and think about your fear for a moment. Think about that situation that you don't want to face. Think about that uncertainty in your life. Whatever you're wrestling with, whatever's causing you fear, think about it. Now imagine the Lord of hosts is with you. All the power of heaven, all of God's omnipotent might and strength and power is with you. That should produce courage in our hearts. Think about that. Renew your mind with that truth until it produces courage in your heart. He is with you. We can say on the authority of the scriptures that we can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil. Why? Because God is with us. We have his presence. God's presence is always with us. And God's presence gives us courage. Verses number six, be strong and have a good courage over and over again. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and have a good courage. Be strong and very courageous. We can have courage because God is with us. Our confidence doesn't come from deep inside of us. Our confidence comes from the one who is always with us, God. His presence 
gives us courage. I love Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. And he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man will do to me. His presence is promised, and his presence gives us courage. God reminds Joshua over and over again, I am with you. You can have the assurance of my presence. Joshua, I'm always with you. And we can have the assurance today that God is with us, which leads us back to our fear, overcome by the presence of God, leads to courageous, faith-filled living. The presence of God produces courage. But the presence of God produces courage that enables obedience to the Word of God. The presence of God gives us courage because sometimes obeying God is scary. Sometimes it's overwhelming. Sometimes there's uncertainty. But one of the primary things that derails obedience is fear. And so the courage of God enables us to faithfully obey God, which leads us to our final thought this morning. Look at verses uh, 7 through 9. He says, Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, again, teaching, which Moses, my servant, commanded thee, turn not from the right hand or to the left hand. Don't get distracted, Joshua. There's going to be lots of distractions. There's going to be lots of things that want your attention. There's going to be lots of things that are going to cause you for fear. But don't look to the right hand. Don't look to the left hand. Moses, just focus on me. Look not to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. He's saying when you focus and when you obey, when your heart is full of faith, you will win, Joshua, that thou mayest prosper wherever thou goest. Verse number 8, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate in therein day and night. What gets, what gets our attention in our mind? Is it our fears? Is it the world we live in? Is it our difficult relationships? Is it that difficulty at job? What, what, what gets our attention? What, what do we meditate on? What do we think about? What do we think about when there's nothing jumping out at us for our attention? What do we think about? God tells Joshua, think on my word. Think on my, pro- uh, my promises. Why? That thou mayest observe to do according to that, all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. We see our last of this morning, the power of obedience. The power of faith-filled obedience. The calling of God in our lives can be overwhelming. Sometimes it's scary when we consider how God has called us to live, when we consider the decisions he calls us to make. It can be overwhelming. That's why God tells Joshua over and over again, be strong, be courageous, I'm with you. Faithfully obeying God, faithfully following him, it can be overwhelming. In fact, I might argue that if you've never experienced fear in the presence of what God is calling you to do, we might not even really understand what he's calling us to do. It's overwhelming, it's scary, but we have his promise that he is with us. You see, the truth is, our job is not to win the fight. We don't have to worry about success. God's telling Joshua, it's not your job, Joshua, to win. It's your job to faithfully obey. I will win. God has already won the victory for us. Our job isn't to fight. God's coming along and he's saying, I'm taking the pressure off. The pressure, how's it all going to work out? What's going to happen? If I give, what's going to happen with my finances? God's saying, look, the pressure's off. I'm going to take care of it. I will take care of you. When it comes to sharing your faith, 
What are they going to think? God's like, it doesn't matter what they're going to think. I'm going to take care of you. You have my acceptance. You have my love. Whatever God is calling us to do, it can be scary and it can be overwhelming, but God has taken the pressure off. Our job is not to win. Our job is to simply and with hearts filled with faith, obey, to obey. And there's also, there's a reason God tells Joshua what he does in the order he does. First thing he tells him, I'm going to win. I'm going to give you this land. No one will be able to stand against you, Joshua. Victory is promised. And Joshua, in the battle before victory, it's going to be scary. So I'm going to be with you. Notice the order. You're, I'm going to win for you, Joshua. I'm always going to be with you. All you have to do is obey. There's a reason he gives us that order. Oftentimes, we ourselves, we get the order wrong, and we wonder, why doesn't God's plan work? Maybe we're trying to obey in our own strength. Maybe we are carrying that weight of, how's this all going to work out? And we try to obey in our own strength, and it doesn't work. Or maybe we're on the other end of the coin, and we don't even obey at all. And we wonder, how come I'm missing out on miracles? How come I'm missing out on answers to prayer? Why does it seem like nothing ever goes the way it goes for other people? Because we get the order wrong. I mean, all of us have been there, right? When you're putting something together, like maybe from Ikea, and there's like a million instructions, some of you are smiling. This is what happens when we get the order wrong. Like, I don't know about you, but like, I I hate Ikea. It's like one of my life goals to never go to that store. And so far, I'm doing phenomenally well. People have told me, my wife's even said this, but they have a cool place for all the husbands to hang out. I'm like, yeah, so does my house. I'll just stay there. I'm going to stay there, and I'll never go to the store. But sometimes we get to order the instructions wrong, and our project winds up like this. And sometimes, in our lives, when we get God's order wrong, we wonder why our life seems like it's turned upside down. Because we get the order of instructions wrong. We have to remember, God is the one that's fighting with us. And we have to obey, recognizing that he is always with me, and with a heart filled with faith, knowing that he is going to take care of the situation. That's what happens when we don't follow the order God has laid out for us. You see, don't ask for power, or don't ask for tasks equal to your power. Ask for power equal to your tasks. Because here's the truth. God has promised you the power. Don't try to settle. Don't try to live a life that's just like, oh, well, I'm just going to do what I can manage. I'm just going to do what I think I can do. Don't, don't do that. Settle for a life that's unlimited. Why? Because God has promised you his power and his strength. I love Ephesians chapter 2. Turn there if you have your Bible with you. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Phenomenal passage. It says at the beginning of the verse, we are his workmanship. I mean, just let that truth alone sink in. You are God's workmanship. Oftentimes we can get so down on ourselves because I'm not this or I'm not that or I wish or I, I want to be like so-and-so. No, you are God's workmanship. God made you. And God doesn't make junk. <laughs> God made you. You are his workmanship. He goes on, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should talk to them, that we should walk in them. Sometimes, I mean, we look at the Bible and it's like, oh, there's a bunch of lists of things I got to do. And it's a list of things that I can do. And we miss the whole point. God's saying, look, this isn't just a list of do's and don'ts. We gave you these things so you can know what life is supposed to look like. So you can know how life is supposed to work. So you can know that this is what God made you for. God made you to walk in good works. You are a good workmanship. God made you. So whatever that difficulty is you're facing, whatever that follow, that thing you got to follow God with that's causing you fear, God made you to overcome that fear. God made you for that decision. God made you for that moment. You are God's workmanship. He created you for this. And the truth is, the reason he gives us courage is because obeying is scary. But there's no such thing as courage apart from mission. 
God doesn't give us courage so we can just sit around and say how brave we are. He gives us courage so that we can follow him for the mission that he has laid out for us. God made you to walk in obedience to him with a heart that's full of faith, overwhelmed by his presence, overwhelmed by his strength, not carrying the weight of success because God's got that covered. But our job is to simply obey. This wasn't a fight that Joshua was going to fight for God and kind of needed God's help for. This was a fight that God was going to win for Joshua. And that's how it is with us. God made us to obey. I want you to imagine in your mind if Joshua had just sat there. Imagine if Joshua didn't obey. He would never have seen the Jordan River split in two. He would never have seen the walls of Jericho fall. He would have missed victory after victory after victory. There were times when they got the order wrong and they experienced defeat because they, they messed up God's order. Imagine if he, if he didn't obey, if he didn't step out, he would have missed so many victories, so many miracles. And I have to ask, how many miracles do we miss simply because we just don't obey? There's been so many times in my life, I'm like, man, I just wish God would answer my prayer, all the while realizing he's, 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 he's wanting to give me the answer. <laughs> but I'm just not obeying. How many miracles do we miss simply because we do not obey? Yes, obedience takes courage, but courage will rise when you recognize God is with you, and he is empowering you. The pressure of success is not on you. God's telling Joshua, and he's telling us, I got this. I got this for you. Your job is just to simply obey. Read God's word, and then apply God's word, all the while recognizing God is working in you and for you, and that this is what he has made you for. You are his workmanship, created unto good works. The point of this whole series has just been to remind us that we need regular seasons in our life. We need a regular, on a regular basis to be reading God's word, not so that we can just learn more academically, not so that we can just grow in what we know, but so that we can know what God has for us and by faith apply his word. God's word changes lives, but that doesn't happen unless we by faith live it out. Unless we by faith apply his word. Courage is faithful action in the face of fear. It was scary. I mean, there was giants in the land. There was obstacles to overcome. There was battles to fight. The walls of Jericho were like a marvel at this time in history. And yet, they overcame them. Why? Because they faithfully obeyed God. Courage is faithful action in the face of fear. Courage is the ability to keep on going even when we don't see the result because you know that God is faithful. I can be consistently courageous and obedient even when I don't see success right away because I know God is working. God is faithful. He has promised us victory. And when we obey, guess what? Success. Victory. God promised Joshua victory. In verses 7 and 8, he says, look, if you obey, if you simply follow the instructions, if you simply obey my word, no one will be able to stand against you. Your way will be prosperous, and you will have good success. God has promised us victory when we just simply, by faith, obey. Obedience to God's word produces spiritual success. God's word is profitable. But are we and faithfully obeying him? Are we obeying God's word. So here's the takeaway for this morning. Quit the fear. Do the work. We don't have anything to be afraid of. God is with us. He has promised us victory. We can quit the fear and do the work. We can just faithfully obey God because he has promised us good success. Stop letting fear derail your obedience to God's word. Trust in his promises. Rely on his presence. Obey his word. I want you to imagine in your mind what its spiritual success would look like for you going to be different for all of us. We're all in different stages of life, different jobs, 
different situations. God's calling on each of us is different and it's unique. But I want you to imagine in your mind what spiritual success would look like for you. What victories do you want to see in your life? Our text says that obedience to God's word will bring good success. God was promising Joshua victory. We can experience victory too. Christ already won it for us on the cross and we experience it by obeying his word. We experience that victory when we faithfully obey. What fears are holding you back? What are you wrestling with? Even in this moment, even as you walk through these doors and you came to church this morning, what fears are holding you back? Are you afraid of the consequences of obeying God? Are you afraid people might think, oh, you're just so radical? What fears holding you back from fully following Jesus? Are you afraid of what it might mean for your finances? Are you afraid of what it might mean for your schedule? Are you afraid of what it might mean for your relationships or your preferences? Are you, are you afraid it's going to mean you have to give up comfort? Jesus says the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Following Christ isn't always comfortable. Are we letting the fear of losing that keep us from fully following God? What fears are, you holding, are holding you back? As we wrap up the series, we have to ask ourselves the question, what do we do from here? As a church, we've read through the books of John and Romans. We've memorized scripture together. We've prioritized spending time with God through his word. Where do we go from here? Will we fully follow what he says? Will we simply and with hearts filled with faith, knowing that he is with us, obey? Or will we sit and miss the miracle? Or will you courageously step out into the obedience God has called you to? Quit the fear and do the work. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.